Hello again and welcome to episode 38 of the Agile Podcast. This is the podcast where two Agile coaches sit in the pub and chat about Agile stuff in the time it takes to drink a single pint. My name is Paul Goddard and I usually share this podcast with Jeff Watts, except in this episode he decided to find some new friends and record it with them instead. For the record, I'd just like to say that I'm absolutely fine with that and I really hope he enjoyed his drink with his new buddies without me, while I was at home on my own. I don't know, maybe this is the beginning of the end. Anyway, play the jingle. Good evening. Good evening, Jeff. Oh, we've got something good today, something new. No Paul. Oh. Oh. Oh, so I'm, I'm, in, uh, I'm in Sussex with a couple of old Agile coach friends of mine. Steve Arnold. Hello. Hello Steve. You alright? Yes, I'm alright, thank you. And Eddie Kenning. Howdy. Alrighty. So we're in, we're in Sussex. What's the name of the pub? It's the Block and Gasket. The Block, Block and, and Gasket. Gasket. Okay, I'm sure there's a story there somewhere. Well, maybe well, we don't know it. We don't know it yet. <laughs> what is a gasket? Gasket is something to do with a gas thing or a tap or something. Engine. Engine. Yeah. Engine. Oh, engine. Yeah. Yeah. Engine. Box. Engine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So we just happened to, to be in the same area. Thought we'd uh, have an opportunity to have a chat. Haven't caught up for a while. So what are we drinking, guys? A nice cold cider. A nice cold cider. Any particular cider? So you, you, you got a cider because you're from Devon, aren't you, Steve? That's right. Born and bred in Devon. <laughs> cider in my blood. So which, which cider have you gone for today? This is Aspel. Nice and cold, nice and wet. All right. Paul, in, on, in homage of Paul, I suppose, he, he would normally have an Aspel's. Yeah. Okay, all right. Bristol Eddie? Boy. Uh, I'm going for the uh, the non-alcoholic tipple tonight, which is uh, Fentiman's Mandarin and Seville Orange Jigger. So basically, posh orange yeah, juice. Posh orange, posh orange juice. juice. Posh orange juice. Yes, okay. Yes. And you bought me. What have you bought me? Bought you a Doom Bar. Doom Bar from Rock in Cornwall and the only reason I bought a few is because I'm, I'm going there on my holidays next year that's nice I like a Doom Bar and I've, I've been to Rock as well so cheers cheers, cheers guys cheers. good to see you thank you what's, uh, what's new in your world so you boys have been busy today haven't you doing some training any yeah. interesting topics come out of that um, mainly around just role definition really yeah, what, what's my role? How does it fit in? How do I connect with other people? Just um, regardless of what their job title is, how do we help each other? How do we fit together to be successful? It comes back to that so many times, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I think that's just that big, big conversation, isn't it? What do, what do we expect? What do we need from one another? Whether we're part of a team or whether we have a sort of more of a customer supplier relationship, whatever it is, doesn't matter just have that conversation what do we need from each other what, and what do we expect from one another but why do so many people get stuck around it why is it such a big topic I think they don't have the conversations probably yeah it's, it's it's not a comfortable conversation for a lot of people to have I don't think I, I, I think a lot of people find that quite uncomfortable yeah People will find it uncomfortable because they're trying to break away from something else or they just want a clear definition of something that's not a clear, definable thing. Possible. Possible. 
It's, I guess it's just something they haven't, they're not used to. Anything they're not used to is uncomfortable. Right, so it's change. Could it, could it be an introversion, extroversion aspect to it? If people just want to stay in their comfort zone, work on their own, uh, you know, have, have an aversion to raising these topics with a, with a, a, with a wider group? Well, I'm openly introverted, right? I tell everybody that. But I absolutely loved being a scrum master. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a character thing, right? It's about your senses and your ability to sit in that role and not feel that you need a checklist of things that you have to do. So, what, being a, a naturally defaulted person with an introversion persuasion, what, how, what were the challenges of being a scrum master and how did you overcome them? Well, being in a spotlight, right? Sometimes yeah. you can be in a spotlight, and um, that was to me very uncomfortable when I started. But I got comfortable with it because you get comfortable with the people, right? We always, we always talk about teams becoming close, and yeah. I, I always found that happened really quickly with the teams that I worked in, and I felt safe very quickly. It wasn't as if I was going into a new situation with a new group of people every time. It was becoming safe, and them becoming safe around me, and us getting to know each other. So, was it a team that you already knew? No, okay. So, uh, and were there any particular things that you did to, to make you feel safe and them feel safe? Well, I guess I learned pretty quickly that safety is hugely important. So, people knowing that they are safe to um, say whatever they want and nobody's judging them, right? And I always worked really hard at that. We have a where we are, we have a mix of people that are working away from the office and in the office. Yeah. And we had to work really hard to make sure that everyone had a voice. And um, that was a big point for me. Their people were all equal, they always get an equal voice. Um, so we worked very hard to make sure that each of those people got that voice hmm. and realised that we meant it, not that we were just saying it. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the key, isn't it? How do you, how do you walk the talk and how do you put those words into action? It's, to me, it's a personal connection. So I, yes, I worked with a group, but I had to have, into, I wanted to have individual conversations with each of those people to make sure they understood where I was coming from. Okay. So I wasn't their leader, right? Yeah. I wasn't there to judge them in any way. I was yeah. just there to try and help them as best as I could. So you, you set that out there of, of you know what, how you saw your role being, how you saw the relationship being, on a one-to-one level. Yes. Okay. But then I reinforced it every time I spoke to them. It was always my mantra, which was that equal voice. Yeah. And the power of that team, always. You heard anything similar, Eddie? Well, interesting of what you said about the spotlight, okay, for, for an introvert the Scrum Master. Um, and I think as, as um, do we think that there's more spotlight on the Scrum Master in the early days? So as you mature as a Scrum Master, you put more emphasis on the team, does that make it easier for an introverted scrum master to exist? Yeah. Team? Yeah, maybe. It reminds me of the days where, yeah, I used to walk around the back of the room and walk away from the mic and make people, well, encourage people to step up and do that themselves and step into what they thought my role was. Always. Because, and maybe it was that, maybe it was trying to get the spotlight off of me, maybe that was just my natural tendency. What, what I see a lot of is, is scrum masters assuming responsibilities for doing things because I think somehow they feel responsible for the actual work that the team is producing. And if, if, it, if they don't see something going well, they just, you know, 
they grab the reins and, and sometimes do the the doing, like whether it's writing so a story. because they want to, or because they think or, they should. Well, I don't know. I think it's probably they they feel they should. That if it didn't happen the way that they know it could happen or should happen, that maybe the blame or the buck would fall at uh, at their door, that kind of thing, you know. So they say, oh, we want this to go well, so I better I better do it. Yeah. Definitely see a lot of that. I think early days, that's definitely the, the kind of perspective you get, right? So the perception you get from outside is that people think you're the one with the reins on the team, almost. Yes. And I think that can easily be a, a little yeah. outside perspective, and I think it's very dangerous. I want the reins taken off the team. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder whether that's a, an introversion thing or a humility thing. So you, you, I know you, you're not someone with an ego, you don't... You don't crave the spotlight to feed that and so you, it's quite easy and perhaps natural for you to, to step away um, whereas I know a few people that would actually quite enjoy being in the spotlight uh, and they might find it a little bit more difficult to let somebody else into that spotlight and we had some of that conversation today didn't we with those people in, yeah. in the room talking about whether the Scrum Master role was a good one or not fundamental level and I was trying to express the passion I had for being able to see that team succeed and have the kind of headspace to invest in my education so that I could bring stuff to them that would help them to grow yeah. and um, this person just hadn't picked that element of it up right no. the fact that she would have the space to be able to invest in her team and mm-hmm. see them grow and see them flourish and I think you know I get goosebumps when I talk about it because that's such a big thing for me yeah you call me a softie right but it's no, true that's, it's that's exactly where the magic how is I, feel it. Yeah. I find it so difficult to get people to um, to embrace that you know that, that they could have so much more time for their own development or for the development of the team looking for things to improve looking for better ways of doing things if they step back a bit let the team get on with more stuff and, and self-organize more um, and then yeah you, you just free up a lot more time for the improvement and then that snowballs into you know you get more time because you've fixed something or you've improved something you've optimized something and then that frees up even more time and then it's just eventually you do, you're just doing all the stuff that you used to do um, in, in half the amount of time and making it look easy and and then that's when you get to the point where people say, "Oh, well, you know, scrum master job is—it's uh, not even a full-time job, right? It's—you uh, know—you've got so much time in your hands. How, how long does it take to, uh, to to organize the ceremonies and book a few meetings?" Still, kind of—I mean, talk about role. Um, people understanding roles and understanding their roles and responsibilities. But even with scrum masters themselves, and even just this week, and it's kind of amazing. But I saw a thread on Twitter where someone said, "Well, a scrum master is just just a, an administrative role," and you think, "God, I thought." I thought we were beyond that yeah. as an industry and there was people who I knew knew better responded to the thread but but didn't contradict it didn't or didn't, it right. didn't set, it, set, set it right yeah so it's it kind of hurts right? when you've done the role and you've enjoyed it it kind of hurts that someone thinks it's like that <laughs> because it could be perceived like that out, outwardly because you don't want it to be overt that you're doing things no. to nourish your team necessarily do you no but you are is that is that <laughs> definition of value or redefinition of value the value that we're adding as a, as a person as a role it's not I think it's a it's a society thing to a degree and that we, we, we tend to overtly value doing as opposed to enabling and that's that's quite hard to let yeah. go of if we think that's how we're being measured and how, how others see value in us are you doing something 
Yeah, we had a, there was a bit of a almost an argument really between a couple of the so Tom Meller who used to be uh, chairman or MD of the Scrum Alliance and Lisa Atkins on, in, in Dublin. There was a bit of a debate there, and Tom said that Scrum masters should get out and, and do stuff basically. And Lisa Atkins was saying, no, 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 they're doing is enabling others to do. Uh, that's the fundamental philosophical difference, I suppose. I had, I had an interesting um, session with a director recently at uh, the company I'm working at, and I, asked, I was trying to get him to think about um, doing less yeah. and and, uh, and investing in higher value activity rather than just scurrying around and doing all the, just doing everything that came, came his yeah. way. And, uh, and I asked the question, you know, would you be comfortable with putting a couple of hours or an afternoon in your calendar to just say, thinking time yeah I could sense there was a little bit of discomfort and but he said uh, you know maybe yeah I could probably do that and I said well what if someone looked over your shoulder and saw that in your calendar what would, would you like them to see it interesting and he was he was uncomfortable with that he said yeah. oh, I probably wouldn't like that and I said but, but that is valuable work and it would probably lead to you having um, doing things that will have a, a bigger impact than the things that you're scurrying around doing yeah. and, and you know wasting a lot of oxygen on that are probably small impact and that's the thing I think that's the key in terms of the doing versus thinking is like you know can you free up the time or can you think about ways that enable you to do higher impact and higher value work and then the other stuff tends to disappear because it's not worth doing I think for me early days when you talk about doing my doing was wrong right so I by nature I'm a fixer so you put me in a scrum master role which I loved and my nature was a little bit to fix yeah. and I learned very very quickly that if I fixed I got the wrong outcome right okay. so yeah I might get a short bit of glory or whatever but what I wanted was them to be working it out for themselves and I needed to learn that for myself but actually I needed to take a, take a step back nourish them ask the questions yeah. but not provide the answer was there one particular moment where that where that clicked for you or? yes but it wasn't at work okay um, <laughs> So I just worked with the Prince's Trust, which was a volunteer job, uh, mentoring. So for, for our global listeners, because we're a global podcast now, Steve, yeah, the Prince's Trust, Sorry, we might need to explain what the Prince's Trust is. Yeah, so Prince Charles, <laughs> son of the Queen, um, future King. God bless her. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, he is a uh, charity that works with um, young people that have just kind of fallen off the tracks yep. in some way or another. Um, and the program that I worked with was a kind of three-month program that took them from being off the tracks and helped them just to steer themselves towards a direction. Okay. Um, and at the end of that, they got the opportunity to speak to somebody, a volunteer, for an hour a week for six months. Okay. Um, they never knew that we were volunteers. We just um, listened, basically. And okay. We got quite a lot of training. Um, but the first guy I spoke to, I tried to fix. <laughs> so he came up with all this stuff, and I went, well, you should need to do this, this, and this. And um, bang, he disengaged from me, right? right? So I learned very painfully from a guy that I still speak to now, and it was sort of 15 years ago, yeah. um, very close since. Um, but if I tried to do that, it, it wasn't going to work. Okay. So I learned to plant seeds, to say, you know, if it was me, I might do this. But all sorts of different mechanisms to plant seeds. And then three weeks down the line, we'd be sat somewhere on a drink and talking and he'd say you know what I thought about that thing that you mentioned yeah this is where I've come to yeah and it would be entirely different again the goosebumps would come yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you've changed this guy's life and, and 
he was really successful. Well, you've helped him change his own life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's something that really I find is one of the most rewarding things as a coach is um, is when you realise you've gotten inside someone's head that they're using you as a, as a conscience or as a measure and they say they come back and they say oh we thought about the stuff you said or we were in a meeting and we were trying to think what would Eddie think what would Steve think in this situation you know and um, and using it as a compass and then you kind of know that you no. Know, well, it's kind of like that David Marquez um, submarine video um, on YouTube, you know, the one where it's like, you know, if you get, if you can get everyone on the ship thinking like you do, then you can trust them to do whatever, whatever they're going to do, right? Because they're thinking like you, or Absolutely. at least they're along the same lines. They understand where you're coming from. Um, yeah, so that's that's when you get the trust to, to, to let them go, right? And just let yeah. let people self-organize. And how much more powerful are you all together? than you are as an individual absolutely fantastic so here's a question right do scrum masters have to go through the period of doing feeling responsible for the doing feeling responsible for the results of the team feeling like they're fixing the team do they have to go through that stage to come to come out into maybe more of a hands-off background kind of uh, Wizard of Oz you know man behind the curtain kind do you know anyone that hasn't well, I know I have, definitely. Do I know anyone who hasn't? <coughs> Off the top of my head. Because I can, so I mean, I'll throw someone out there. We won't name name him fully, but you and I both know Chris. Yep. And I mean, I, I knew him when he was uh, his job title was junior tester. And so he had absolutely no authority. He was probably officially the lowest rung, if you like, within the team. Mm-hmm. But it immediately struck me as someone with, with, with a scrum master coach capacity. Mm. And so he, maybe because he didn't have the opportunity to to tell or direct, maybe. But I, don't, I never saw him go down that route. To me, as soon as the opportunity was there, he was he was coaching from a junior tester capacity. Uh, and so naturally, the team effectively picked him as a scrum master. But once, but. Did he change once he uh, went into that role? Once I he officially got the label, I didn't see it. He was already there. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think he's a scrum master now, but I think he, that was a natural, natural, natural transition for him at the time. I feel the same about a guy that was in the room with us today. It's a, a, okay. chap, a chap called Ian. Um, yeah, let's call him Ian. Let's call him. Let's Ian. call him Ian. <laughs> I won't mean anything to you, Steve, but it's, it's a running joke within the pub- podcast. Okay. <laughs> His name is actually you. And, um, just well, don't let's call him you. A wonderful way of <laughs> A wonderful way about him, right? Yeah. The people, absolutely amazing. Yeah. He's exactly the same guy that came into my mind, actually. Yeah. So this guy has got a, again a tester. So yeah. maybe there's something about the tester maybe. mentality. Yeah. But um, yeah. We, we, we talk about it occasionally about you know, does someone have that essence whereas you can't just put you can't describe what it is but you know someone has it yeah. right and you just think this guy would make an awesome scrum master yeah. but then the question still stands again for me is if he was given the hat would there be a change in his behaviour would he feel responsible for the results of the team to prove that him having 
um, taken over as a scrum master has made an impact, a visible impact. Maybe. Would that happen? Well, it would be an interesting. And then would you have to go through that journey? Well, it would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? Because there wouldn't be, there's nothing in the role itself that would actually make him think there's a need to change. Because it's quite explicitly something without authority, so he, he would know that. But it would have to be something in the system. Yeah, it would have system. to be something in the incentives or the expectation of the team or the lack of culture of the company yeah perhaps that would that would make that change well sadly for all of us when it comes down to it he doesn't want to be a scrum master <laughs> he wants to be he's happy where he is and we've tried we've tried to coach him out of it but and maybe he'll, well he's on the scrum master well, I don't course. think that's I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing um, I mean explain yourself Jeff I think <laughs> You know, if, if every member of the team had a sort of empathy and an appreciation of what that what that role was trying to achieve, then you'd probably get to the point where you don't need one sooner. For the benefit of the tape, everyone on the table is nodding contemplatively <laughs> to themselves. Eyebrows lifting. It's yeah. not an awkward silence. <laughs> it's um, it's it's a common technique, isn't it, though, for a, for a scrum master to. Uh, to rotate the role, yep. get individuals in the team to step up, um, particularly in a quiet team. Uh, definitely use that as a technique, just to get people to involve themselves more, not just sit back and consume what the scrum master or the product owner is bringing to the table. Um, you know, whether it's just facilitating a stand-up. Uh, writing acceptance criteria on a user story at a refinement session, those kind of things, you know, just, just kind of getting everybody involved, setting up a meeting, just taking that responsibility, uh, facilitating retrospectives tends to be an easy in for people because if they've seen seen a retrospective done a couple of times, they might you know, yeah. understand the format and then it's other people talking really. So. Yeah. But do they only take on those kind of those kind of things so the depth the depth of it right the, depth, the conversations those yeah. sort of things that don't, so don't come under the radar exactly. but I think it's a starting point yeah. where they, they start to take more ownership of all the stuff around the work that they do right so it's like well, if we if we, un, if we agree that we we need to have our ceremonies and we need to if we need to book meeting rooms for the ceremonies to happen and if we have to have a stand up every day and if we have to if we think these are good things and they're necessary for the work that, that the team produces and if they start to feel like that um, because they've been involved in doing it then it's less like oh well Scrum Master is just an administrative role isn't it it's like just someone else can do that and let me get back to doing the code um, well, I'd, be, I'd be encouraging uh, anyone who might have the name Ian to be having those <laughs> you know, having those types of conversations with the rest I'd be, I'd be really keen on their input in a conversation it doesn't have to be standing in the front of a room facilitating a session but I'd want I'd want their natural you know coachy style to come out and, 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 and make it okay for everybody else mm. I'm interested Steve on, on the whole um, subject of having a little bit more time another thing that time gives us is creativity and I heard a bit of a bit of a rumour that you've got a bit of a creative <laughs> spark in you <laughs> uh, my thing that I copied from another guy um I had a course one day, and a guy talked us through crosswalking. Crosswalking? Crosswalking. Right? This is so, a new fitness thing. No. Um, <laughs> this is about your creativity and your innovation and your um, ability to let yourself go and get into something, right? So if I'm stood in front of a room full of people and I'm facilitating, I'll often get them to march on the spot. Okay. So march on the spot, 
hitting your your legs with your hands, basically. Okay. Um, the idea being that you have this thing called a corpus callosum, which is the bridge between the two hemispheres of your brain. If you march with your hands and legs on the same side, then the right hand side of your brain is managing the left hand side of your body. And so my right hand hitting my right leg. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's the left hand oh, side of your brain that's making yeah, that. Okay. Happen. Fine. Yeah. Right. As soon as you cross the central meridian of your body, then this bridge starts to clear. Right? Okay. It makes your body free up from all those things that might be blocking your brain. You become a little bit more creative. And actually, you know, you just get your energy up and it's a bit of fun. Okay. And everyone sort of makes a fool of themselves in front of everybody else. And there's a bit of laughter. And it's just a great way to start a meeting. So crosswalking is hitting my left leg with my right hand. Exactly. So the cross bit of it is crossing the central yep. meridian of your body. As soon as you do that, then you start to open this channel between the center of your brain. And that, that allows both hemispheres of my brain to connect and, and, and use the full... Absolutely. Okay, cool. All right. And that's, that's how you pitch it, but really it's just making them look silly. It's just so, a bit of okay. fun, yeah. The <laughs> right. guy that actually taught it to me said, you know, if you're going into a big thing, if you're feeling a little bit nervous, go off somewhere quiet, do a little bit of this. Um, you know, he suggested you do it in the bathroom or whatever, and then um, you'd be marching on the spot, crossing your arms, crossing your legs. Um, the more you could cross, the better. Um, but then you've got a risk of falling over, obviously. But <laughs> it is just a bit of fun. It makes them all laugh. But there is some science behind it. Yes, definitely. Okay. All right, cool. And so that's that. That frees up creativity. Good thing to do at you know, start somewhere where you need to think of answers to complex problems. Absolutely. Right. I read a book recently called Rest. I can't remember the author, but um, it was all about how not not doing work, so not doing so much doing. Yeah frees up the time for you to actually process all the problems that your, your brain is trying to process, helps your creative thinking, allows you space for thinking, of, again, this higher value stuff, right? Not the, not the mundane stuff that's keeping you busy all the time, but thinking about your approach to things, thinking more strategically. This is why we have our good ideas in the bath. This is why we have good showers. ideas in the bath, yeah. or when you go to Cornwall on your holidays yeah. and you look out to sea. You're not supposed to be working, you think, oh no. Yeah, it's yeah. long, long, um, you know, you're, you're looking further out than you normally do and then that has an impact on your brain but taking walks taking you know uh, taking days off i remember when i started doing um doing agile it was in an xp environment and we were really really big on this concept of the sustainable working week yep um, and it was basically is that you, you don't do more than your 35 hours 40 hours a week that's it it's nine to five nine to five thirty every day down to us out the door and come back fresh for the next day's set of problems yep Take your holidays uh, over the course of the year. Don't store them up. Don't don't be in a situation where oh we're, we just need to we, we cancel the holidays because we've got a, a deadline coming. We, we postpone it and then it never happens. Don't burn out. Keep making that time for your holidays. Take your weekends. Don't work weekends. Two week holidays. This was the bit that I was really bad at personally. It was says you should definitely always take a two week holiday every year. Okay. Um, because what happens is, as we all know, you take a, a two week holiday. Week one, you're still thinking about some stuff from work. There's some yeah. residual work stuff going through your brain. And once you get to the second Monday, that's all gone. And then you have the whole week ahead of you of just like resting your brain, recharging the batteries, all that good stuff. And it's really kind of good. I mean, because you come back and uh, I've not been in the office for the last couple of days. Came in today with tons of new ideas about how I was going to approach uh, approach things. And it was really necessary to have that rest. But again, it comes back to, you know, would you put in rest in your calendar, a half an hour rest, would you put in a half an hour for thinking, would you put in an hour for a walk, just to 
yeah. process things. We just go from thing to thing, don't we? Well, it's a bit easier for someone like me because I work for myself, so I can I can take a you know a Monday and I can just block it out in my calendar, and I know that I can spend some time thinking about what next and some new exercises or some new blog posts or something. But I guess it's a little bit more difficult if I know quite a few people actually their calendars are visible to their colleagues and you can see that across the corporate network and if you've got you know an hour booked out thinking time yeah what, what message does that send now to me and I think what you're saying there is to you that would send a good message yeah, yeah but to some people that might send a yeah. I'm paying them to think yeah oh my god well, isn't that isn't, <laughs> isn't that a given <laughs> isn't that good <laughs> Well, I suppose like everything else, you have to build up a trust, right, from delivering on it. So if, yeah. you, if you take those time, uh, those hours here and there, and come back with good ideas, and uh, then people tr- trust you to come up with good ideas, and that your thinking time is valuable time, and ends up with uh, higher value results. There's almost a... Uh, some, if Nigel Baker was here, he'd come up with something clever, I know. There's something to do with Einstein and looking at something, and if you look at it, it, it changes it or something. Observing a behaviour naturally changes the, the behaviour itself or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but if you yeah, go into yeah. a thinking time thinking, I've got to come up with a good idea, yeah, 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 you probably yeah, yeah. won't. So putting the pressure on yourself to, I need to prove the worth of this yeah. thinking time is self-defeating. Absolutely. It's yeah. got to be pure relaxation, yeah. relaxed thinking. Yeah. It has to be organic. Yeah, well, there's the other thing then as well, similar thing, which is less, less controversial, let's say, in a... In a, in a in a work context or a calendar context, but just um, stepping away from a problem, right? Or stepping away when you feel you're, you're, you've got too much on, or you know, just blocking out a buffer time between meetings, that kind of stuff, right? Because, I mean, how many times have we been in a situation where you got back-to-back meetings all day? That's really intense. Mm. No one's doing their best work when they're eight meetings into a day, yeah. right? You know, so, I mean... Isn't it valid to, to, to schedule in some time before and after a meeting to say, well, you know, if I really need to be on my game for one of them, if I, if, or if I need to process some stuff that's going to come out of one of them, then I, I'm going to need a little bit of time. And even just getting out of the building and walking around the building just to yeah. kind of clear the head is, is a massive thing. That's why sometimes smokers have the upper hand, right? Because yeah. they... Um, they make that, t- that time comes to them naturally where they have to go for a cigarette. Just to clarify, listeners, we're not encouraging we're not you to encouraging cigarette smoking. It. I had a conversation with one person A fresh air ba- break is just as good. <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who was feeling guilty because he was leaving the office at half past five. Okay. And when I asked him why, he said, well, because I did the school drop-off this morning, I didn't get here to start the day. And I said, well, what time did you get here? He said, ten past nine. I'm like, okay, so nobody's judging that. Where are you getting that from? <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, it all comes from within, right? You have to be able to let yourself go on those things because he probably is driving his way home and thinking things through. Yeah. He's investing all those times. You know, whatever he's doing in his quiet time, probably still thinking. Yeah, well, I've always come back to that. The amount of free work that people get from me is just ridiculous because I love my job. I love all the concepts. I love the problems that come up. And that's what I think about all the time when yeah. I'm not at work. <laughs> It might sound a bit sad, but if you love your job, then you know it occupies a large amount of your time, and yeah, and that ends up in uh, effectively being free work for a client. So, what have been some of the interesting things that have come up in your thinking time recently, guys? Well, a lot of my thinking time lately has been about the clarity of my mind, right? Okay. So, so, some of it comes down to agility, maybe, but what's clouding my mind? And I've been. Um, following a path which is saying it's taking me to a metaphor which is about clouds in the sky okay 
So go with me. I like metaphor. Go with me. <laughs> okay, so this is a bit complicated, <laughs> right? So um, this is about saying that however many clouds in the sky and however dark their clouds feel, yep. you know for a fact that the sky is blue behind. True. So I've been using that with a number of people around me, even in a work context, to say to them, look, don't be overwhelmed by what's going on around you and the pressure's yeah. on you because you know that there will become a time where those clouds break up and yeah. the sky comes through. Okay. So my job has turned from passionate scrum master to coach yeah. to now personal mentor, like to, okay. to individual coaching of people that are feeling a little bit overwhelmed by their responsibilities yeah. and helping them to understand that they can put one of those responsibilities on one of those clouds and let it just float on by for a little bit. And put it back in when they've got a bit of time. Yeah, yeah nice, nice. It, it can be quite easy to get overwhelmed, and especially in a big organisation where, where things are slow to change, so slow that you almost don't even think they are changing. Um, and yeah, that self-management is a, is a good thing. And that's, that's helped you and helped others. Oh, it helped me massively. Sometimes you do feel like the, cloud is, the clouds are dark and they're yeah. covering the sky, right? But as soon as you recognise that you, you're always aware that the blue sky is still behind yeah. and that they can one day or the next hour disperse and they're off yeah. and all those thoughts are off and those moments have gone. Especially in Britain, weather can change on a, <laughs> yeah. in a few seconds, can't it? It's snowing this that's morning, really right? nice. Yeah. It was snowing this morning. What about you, Eddie? What's come out of your thinking time recently? Um, well, as I said, I was I was I was not in the office for the last couple of days, and this is this is a kind of it's, it's a small thing, but um, I think it's going to have a big impact. Um, and it's not rocket science either. It's just kind of almost um, you know uh, having that time away made me just think. Oh, actually, I should some stuff I should be doing. So I've got a, an awful lot of regular coaching sessions with scrum masters product owners in my uh, in my diary and I'm a lot of the time they're very informal and nice and we talk about good things and people take some people take things away and other people may, maybe not and um, I think over the course of time what tends to happen is most of the time it's positive and people do take actions and go away and do things differently uh, and I don't really feel like we're capturing those things they're kind of getting lost the improvements we're making are being lost a little okay. bit so I've just said you know what what I should be doing really is, is is having some kind of document some kind of living document that I can work with them a coaching plan a way of capturing things that we talk about and then the next time we talk about things we can we can you know go back and say well did you try that thing from the last time did yeah. it have an impact did it you know was it a positive one was it a negative one um, you know, do we need to continue working on this um, but also ca uh, capturing kind of any any wins that they are having as well so they're, they're very easy to forget yeah. we're definitely so people I'm working with for the past year we've moved on leaps and bounds but it's so easy to forget the changes that we've that yeah. we've actually put in place and like we're never there with the journey, right? It's like we're, we're constantly going to improve. So at what point do we kind of... We're always looking forward, I suppose. And I think having something to fuel that um, is really, really useful. So just if you can look back and say, well, look at all the things that we have done, even though we're not there yet, that gives you the fuel to, to keep trying the next thing and keep looking for the next improvement and keep looking for the next improvement. So I suppose it's just really tightening up the... Um, the, the, the way I'm coaching and recording my my kind of my coaching sessions with people okay. that's really what it is I suppose but you know I needed I need to take a step back to, to actually just have that realization you know if I just carried on doing my work I wouldn't 
might, might not have come to that realisation or, or got something there. similar came up today actually with, with the guys we were talking about um, stories and how so there were 20 people in the room and, and they all worked in the same area but they, they weren't aware of what had happened elsewhere and just by having these conversations as a group little stories and snippets of what people had tried and and done and succeeded and failed and came up and it was it was so enlightening for the others and it's much easier to learn from someone else's mistakes than make your own uh, but also you can ca- gather some ideas for what what has worked somewhere else and this this talk sort of then came around to well should we be collating almost like a almost like a book of our experiences you know and, and case studies and Perhaps maybe there would need to be a little bit of anonymization for, for the protection of those involved, perhaps. But um, you know, one person in the room, for example, uh, had gone along to a retrospective of another team and told them about how they'd screwed up. Yeah, kind of like, uh, this is how we failed. And that was such a, 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 an eye-opening moment for that team. That, uh, I think that, that, that's great. And I, I, one, one, my, one big regret from my time at BT that w- was that we didn't keep a kind of big journal of what had happened. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking that when, I, when, when we first met at the company we were at then, thinking, I regret not doing it there. Perhaps we should do it here. Yeah. And I still didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so tomorrow, what are you going to start doing? <laughs> well, yeah. I think I did get the impression these guys actually might might start doing something like that and uh, that would be I think that would be quite cool because well, we could have stayed there for a long time right, on that subject yeah. allowing them to enjoy that conversation for yeah. a very long time yeah. so we've got to harness that a little bit yeah. well, that's, that's what I want to bake into this kind of um, document for coaching people is just to say, have a little win log yeah. and maybe you could include a failure log as well if you want to, if you want to capture those things so, so that because one of the things I kind of felt was you know if I've worked with some people for a year and I, and, and I haven't got a, a thing to look back on and say hey look at the journey that we've come apart from just anecdotal evidence and yeah. memory and, and if I'm still with them in a year's time I want to be able to say hey let's sit down let's reflect on the year look at all the things that we did look at all the things that you did look at all the things you achieved had some blips along the way but you learned from them great but there's actually a tangible thing there that we can say you know, we've moved on so much and I'll add, them, add, add more fuel to the fire for them to carry on doing it. So yeah. it's like kind of, I'm going to try and bake some of that in. But again, you know, if you're, if you're back-to-back meetings all day, you don't stop and think about this stuff. Right? No. No. So rest. Rest is important. Rest is important, yeah. yeah. We Sustainable need pace. Kind of thinking time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> is there anything else that's, um, that you've been wishing to try... Or, or have tried recently what do you think ah. <laughs> that's an interesting laugh it sounds like there's, there's something to be told there there's something behind that isn't it oh okay so, so there's no it's just us three Eddie it's, it's, there's, there's, there's a little idea we had around um, well, kind of an evolution of, of the rubber duck okay. which is um, a, a, an idea to, to we so might need to explain the rubber duck the, briefly. The, the, the rubber duck concept obviously is like you know if you can if you can uh, you could have a coaching session with a rubber duck or an inanimate object of, yeah. of sorts. Uh, people people sometimes pair program with a duck duck driven development. Nice. And the um, the, the the whole point is 
you better understand the intent of what you're about to do if you can verbalize it and explain it to somebody, yeah. uh, even if it's a duck. Well, sometimes perhaps, it, perhaps even more so. Even they better. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't tell you you're wrong. They don't try and fix you. They don't. They just listen. Okay. So uh, what's RubberDuck 2.0 then? What's RubberDuck 2.0 is, um, which is great. Thank you. That's what we should call it. Is uh, is taking advantage of this um, the rise in devices like uh, Google Home Assistant, Alexa, uh, Echo Dots, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Siri. Um, but the idea was to basically give a team um, uh, uh, an Amazon Echo dot, right? That costs like £35 at the moment, Black Friday, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, take it into, into ceremonies with them and treat it almost like, a, like um, uh, their own personal agile coach. So they could um, prime their ceremonies by um, having a bit of fun with Alexa and ask, asking it some questions. And you could, you could do things like, you know, oh, Alexa, what's, what's a sprint planning? Alexa, what's a retrospective? Alexa, what's planning poker? Ask all these questions that you could do in jest. Yeah. And maybe actually, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm just asking for a friend, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, this isn't for me. I obviously know what sprint yeah. planning is, but let's just, just, to, just to see what Alexa thinks it is. Ha, ha, ha. But um, but almost kind of make, making it okay for people to ask silly questions because they're um, they're, they're only testing Alexa or they're just testing uh, Siri or they're testing Cortana or whoever they're testing. Um, of course, they've got uh, there's, there's time boxing built into that. You can set timers, you can set reminders. Okay, yeah. so, so give Eddie an action to or remind Eddie to. <laughs> yeah. Nice, yeah, I like it. Have you, yeah. And that's something you're going to try or you have tried? Uh, well, I haven't tried it yet. I did buy a, a, an Echo Dot and I can't, I, I can't recommend it. <laughs> that's, I, I'm not saying I can't recommend it enough. Unless I'm Amazon saying, would like I, to I'm sponsor saying, the podcast. <laughs> I'm saying I cannot recommend it. It's uh, Search results were very poor and, um, and also I think there's a little bit of playing around involved with uh, making sure it's not tied to, um, to my own Amazon account so that teams can start making purchases oh, yeah. on my or- behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Order 10 packs of Post-It Extra Strong. Yeah. Well, uh, Are you sure it's not your accent? You can't understand it. Is that what, it, right? might be, it might be. <laughs> but we did give it a go, right? We gave it a go with Google. We gave it a go, yeah. So uh, we tried it on Steve's phone yeah. uh, with, uh, with Google. And what, what did it say? Go... OK Google. OK Google. That's what yeah. OK Google. It doesn't even have a name. Sounds better with your voice. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, the search results were quite good, actually. And uh, But we thought that, OK, just to make it different than... Because everybody's got a phone in there yeah. in, on them at all times. So, you know, just to make it a bit of a gimmick to take, to take a, an actual device in with them and they could do different things and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's something that we could try. Nice. Yeah. I like the idea of people being able to ask silly questions or ask basic questions because... And, ask and, anything. Well, maybe, maybe the, listeners, the listeners could give it a go and see, uh, tell us how, I'd, what, I'd how they love find if it they well. did, I'd love if they did. And, um, you know, just... The, the, we know that... The questions that do come up and the occasional arguments were, or debates where someone says, I thought it, we were supposed to be doing this, or yeah. I thought it meant that. Hmm, who knows? Does the Scrum Master know? Hopefully. If not, then let's, let's ask Google. Yeah. Let's ask Alexa. Let's Alexa. see what they say. Is this user story a five or an eight? <laughs> nice. well, can you equate story points with ours? <laughs> yes. That's the one I'm trying to do. Alexa, what is empirical? I like it. <laughs> 
like it. I always forget that. I'm always like, what's that word again for evidence? Oh. Alexa, what's that another word for evidence? <laughs> Well, I thought that, you know, if, so for instance, I mean, um, a lot of us, a lot of coaches will work across a lot of different teams and, yep. you, can't, and you can't be in all the ceremonies, right? So, and, and, and you probably shouldn't be in all the ceremonies, but, um, you know, in the absence of a coach, can, can you have a, a, a rubber duck or a rubber duck 2.0? Yeah. And, if, and maybe even if, Steve said, even if you can't get the technology to work for you, just try a rubber duck. Yeah, absolutely. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. And then maybe that could be the catalyst for somebody to pick up their phone. So the duck could be the gimmick in that in that instance and you just go back to, to, to the technology you have available but also subconsciously recognize that they have the answers yeah not just or the that, questions but or the that there's a clarification needed I mean that's the other thing is like you know I think a lot of it is it loops back to the roles and responsibilities yeah. thing about clarification right if everybody and we see this so much where everybody's carrying on regardless of not knowing what they're doing or why they're doing a thing in this particular way well yeah we do planning poker yeah, no, of course we don't use hours, of course we don't use time. We say, you know, we use story points and then we map it back to time. No problem, but we don't estimate in time, no way. Um, you know, these kind of things are like, why are we doing things? <laughs> That's good. Oh, that's good. Did you, did you enjoy your first podcast, guys? Yeah, very nice, thank you. Yes, yeah, enjoy it. It wasn't a, too bad, was a it? Privilege. It wasn't too bad, was it? Yeah, we try. We need to go back to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, thanks, guys. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Steve. See you again soon. Yeah. Here's the jingle.